Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus, and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week? You know, every week it's one of those things where you... There's definitely, like, several people to choose from. This week was pretty easy. I'm going with Gerald Everett, tight end (laughs) for the Seattle Seahawks. He didn't necessarily let me down. I'll go with he let the entire city of Seattle and their fans down. So Gerald Everett played a role in all three turnovers for Seattle uh, in this game on Sunday night. Number one, he fumbled in the first quarter. Number two, he uh, let a pass hit him in the chest that then hit his foot and then bounced into the arms of a 49er cornerback. And then number three, uh, with a chance to put the game away, he fumbled a shovel pass at the goal line. So, I mean, that's pretty tough, right, to single-handedly ha- have a, a role in every single turnover for your team. It's almost impressive. It's I mean, almost right? impressive. It's, yeah. like, comically impressive. The guy had six targets, ended up with four receptions for seven yards. Womp, womp. He's the Festivus of the week. It takes a lot for a tight end to get negative points in fantasy for a tight end to do that, but that's what happened with Gerald Everett. I like it. He screwed me in at least one league. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing today, buddy? I can't complain too much. At least I'm in a better spot than Gerald Everett. Uh, I I completely agree with what you and Jen were just talking about because just I wasn't able to watch the game since that's on the West Coast and obviously I'm on the East. But seeing the just like reading the timeline and just I was just it was unbelievable like seeing or like trying to picture in my mind how Gerald Everett was causing all those turnovers for Seattle. So it was absolutely wild. Uh, But I'm doing all right. Can't complain too much outside of that over the weekend. Uh, but Jen, how are, how are you doing outside of being upset with Gerald Everett? Well, outside of being upset with Gerald Everett and outside of another heartbreaking college football season for me, um, I'm oh, good. I'm sorry, otherwise. Jen. You know, I'm so used to it. I mean, for those of you out there who don't know, I'm a Georgia Bulldog alum. I'm a huge Georgia Bulldog fan. Uh, you know, it's been 30 years of heartbreak. I expected it, but at the same time, there was a small glimmer of hope, like this is finally the year. And it just, it just, they just can't win those big games and they cannot beat stupid Nick Saban. So yeah, that part was rough. Um, we do have another shot. Uh, we get to play the Orange Bowl. We actually play Michigan, which is uh, where my sister went. So that's kind of fun. We get to play each other or not we, I guess, but our teams play each other. So uh, other than that, other than the heartbreak of all of that, um, it was a pretty good week for me uh, in the fantasy world and uh, overall. Um, but as usual, there are lots of craziness that happened uh, in week 13. Chris, why don't we get into our surprises for the week? Sure. And like one of the surprises, and typically I start at the quarterback position since that's the article that I typically write each week here at 4 for 4. Uh, but one of the surprises is Russell Wilson now turning in at least two decent back-to-back performances after I think most of the fantasy community and maybe even Seattle's offense uh, might have left him for dead. And now, like the past two weeks, he had just 16.7 points uh, this past week, which wasn't like a fantasy. Uh, he wasn't a juggernaut, but he didn't kill you as he did like when he came back in week 10 and also in week 11. After, I mean, last week he had 19.5 points. So getting back at least in the high-end QB2 discussion, so at least that should be something that we should be at least somewhat confident in with him, uh, uh, with using him moving forward. Uh, but Jen, so do you think 
that Russ is back, or do you think it's just more of the defensive matchups that he's had? Or I mean, do you have at least some confidence starting him moving forward? Yeah, listen, Russell is one of those guys that you can never really completely count out, right? I mean, the guy can run, and he seems to be able to make plays. So I don't know if you can completely count him out. I mean, looking at his schedule coming up, it's pretty favorable, right? So uh, we've got Houston coming up this week, and then he has the Rams in Chicago, who are both – you know, on the in the green side of our hotspots tool at four for four when it comes to quarterbacks giving up, they're both around quick math here, about nineteen point four points per game to the quarterback. So I think that uh, you know Russell's one of those guys that you can never completely count out. I think in, in a single QB league, he's still playable, or at least I think he should be down the stretch. Yeah, I think that's true. And while it has been tough watching not just him, but just seeing if he's going to continue to connect with or start to rebuild his connection with DK Metcalf, the Gerald Everett stuff from this past week is just comical at the same time as it is stressful and and then sad as well. But Brandon, before I kick it to you, I'm seeing, at least from the numbers, it's looking like he's starting to improve as a passer. When he came back in week 10, he was back into the league in terms of completion percentage over expected, and he was 24th, 25th in completion in CPOE. Now he's back up in the top 10, so at least he's more accurate. His efficiency has also started to pick up as well. But while the volume might not be there, because Pete Carroll has obviously has been, you know, we see all the press conferences with him wanting to run the ball more. Heck, he even uh, Russ just handed off the ball to Adrian Peterson to get him in the end zone. So at the very least, do we think the offense alone is enough to support Russ and keep the whole offense moving forward for him to be a quarterback that you would want to continue to start, especially with the matchups that Jen just laid out? Yeah, you know, the schedule is a big part of it, right? He's got Houston this week, which is uh, very appealing. Uh, that Rams matchup coming up in a couple weeks, that's uh, uh, an appealing matchup for me. The Rams, while they do have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, they are prone to shootouts, which is something that uh, we all love as fantasy managers to go into a game that's a shootout and try to capitalize on all the stuff that you get, um, you know, the added stats and those types of a game script. Uh, Russell Wilson looked pretty good the last two weeks, looked more like Russell Wilson. I know the rushing totals aren't quite there yet but uh you know that completion percentage 81.1 percent versus san francisco efficiency has been his game uh he wouldn't have that pick if it weren't for gerald everett so as long as gerald everett doesn't uh continue to cause more interceptions for russell wilson i think that efficiency is going to go up and i think eventually the fantasy points are going to follow especially with that schedule so i'm definitely buying russell wilson if he's someone that anyone is uh, has dropped or shipped off or is selling at you know half the half the cost. Uh, he is somebody that I'm probably looking at if I don't have one of those marquee quarterbacks already on my roster. Yeah, 100% agreed. And of course, what Seattle is going to do over the offseason with all of the discussion about Russ possibly leaving, moving to another team, so on and so forth. From a dynasty perspective, I can understand yeah. folks at least being somewhat uncertain about what Russ is going to look like in 2022. But at least for the season-long folks here in 2021, he definitely has the matchups to support starting him from a season-long perspective moving forward. It looks like he's starting to come back into form. So at least it's positive. He has a positive outlook looking forward. So if Jared Everett isn't fumbling, I think he's a good start. Can I get on my soapbox for a minute? I want to get your take on this. So Russell Wilson, right? He's an icon in Seattle, right? Uh-huh. So I get, him. I get the idea of like, okay, yeah, he's 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 uh, aging out. The team is aging out. Pete's message is flat. Whatever the case may be, I I get it. But hasn't Russell Wilson earned like 
the Ben Roethlisberger treatment where I don't care if the building is falling down around you unless you want out, unless you're like out there saying, get me out of here, which for all intents and purposes, we haven't actually heard from Russell Wilson that he wants out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't you... Just let him do it. Give him the Kobe Bryant treatment, the Ben Roethlisberger treatment. You know what I mean? Like somebody who you you just you let them stay as long as they want to stay. You continue to try to build a winner around them. And even if that ends up being detrimental to your long-term team building, uh, GM, pie-in-the-sky, Madden football kind of, uh, kind of mentality, I, I think it's still worth it. What, what do you think, Jen? Do you think that this idea of the Seattle Seahawks need to move on from Russ. Do you think that has any merit at all? Uh, I'm open to somebody changing my mind. No, I think it's actually pretty ridiculous. I mean, we know, I mean, there's not a lot out there, right? I mean, the quarterback is, is a difficult position to find that franchise quarterback, find that guy who can not only play, but I just, yeah, I just feel like, you know, I guess it's more of like the grass is always greener thing. Like, what else are you really going to get out there? We, we see what's out there. Are you going to end up with, you know, I, I don't know. I just find that it's pretty ridiculous. I think Russell is, is you know, he may be, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here without being too, like, I don't know. I well, just he's, feel th- like- he's, he's 33 and he's inconsistent. He got hurt for the first time this year. But, you know, Seattle was 12 and 4 last year. Can we... I think it's okay for them to have a bad season. You know? Yeah, I, no, and I, and I agree with you there. And I feel like, you know, he's a he's a decent human being, you know. He's kind of annoying, his whole unlimited <laughs> stuff, sure. A little bit dorky, a little bit nerdy. Yeah, but as a corny. whole, like, I just, yeah. I mean, but I think as a whole, he's a good dude, you know. He obviously loves the game, wants mm-hmm. to play you know, suffered an injury where he had, you know, full-on surgery and, and, you know, the reports of how hard he worked his ass off to come back. I just feel like, like you said, he deserves to be there as long as he wants to be there. There's not a lot out there in terms of, you know, starting quality quarterbacks out there. And you're going to end up with, you know, a Case Keenum or a Trevor Simeon and and just, you know, that, that carousel of trying to find that quarterback for the next 10 years. Like, why don't you keep the guy that you have? Yeah, especially quarterbacks are playing longer. Chris, what do you think? No, I 100% agree. How many top 12 seasons has Russell Wilson put up in succession? It's not like he's been a volatile quarterback. It's not like he's been, you know, been really good one season, cold one other season. No, he's been in the top 12 discussion for five, six, seven seasons. So having this down year, seeing this, seeing just the Seahawks as an entire franchise now fall to the back end of their own division, let alone their entire conference. Sure, I know it must be jarring from that perspective for for Seahawks fans to see what the, the Legion of Boom, that entire era of football for them come to a close, but it doesn't mean that they need to completely shut everything down and have a fire sale and remove essentially the best remaining piece of their offense in order to try and get back to where they were at back in the 2011, 2012, like that type of, you know, that time frame. They can still do it with Russ, and like Jen had pointed out, 33 years old, still plenty of football left in him from a passing perspective. I mean, he might not be as mobile as he was when they were in the Super Bowl contention, but at least he has enough from an efficiency standpoint as a passer 
and also with what he has in front of him with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett getting up there in age, but he still has some good football left in him, especially in the way he was used. I mean, if Doug Baldwin could go for as long as he could, and as Tyler Lockett is essentially the, uh, the I guess, almost one-for-one -one replacement for Doug Baldwin, they have enough there that I think they can continue to do it. I just think he, he should get that same treatment like you guys were mentioning, like the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world, like the Tom Brady's of the world. I mean, because he's been, like, he's carried that franchise to that point. So I think to say after so many years of success with Russell Wilson and him being pretty much the, the reason for them to have achieved as much as they have in his time there, I think it's a little bit ridiculous for us to say that they need to completely move on from him or anything like that. If he wants to go, that's on him. But, I mean, and if he wants to re, uh, rejuvenate his career somewhere else or end his career somewhere else, that's on him. But for anybody in the front office to think that they can recreate what they did without him, I think that's complete fool's gold. I mean, if you need any examples of that, y'all can just hop right over from the West Coast to the East Coast and look at what Carolina's dealing with right now. And, <laughs> and that should be just your, your shining example of just Use what you got while you got it. Absolutely. And, I think, and Russ, I think he still has it. They just need to do a little bit of soul searching over the offseason. I think they can get back to where they were. Uh, so let's see. The other guy that I, I mean, not really a surprise, more or less, because I think with Javante Williams, most folks saw this coming. I think everybody agreed that if you gave him a little bit more time, or not time, rather, if you gave him more opportunity, if you gave him the ability to start and end a game as the starter for Denver, we give him not just the workload as a rusher, we also involve him in the passing game as well. Then last night was not really a surprise for anybody, but I was definitely glad to see it happen. I mean, with the nine targets being involved in the passing game, also from a rushing perspective, I mean, 52.3% success rate against Kansas City, who, while overall has not been one of the, I guess, easier or I guess tougher defenses to go up against but over the past few weeks with their pass rush improving they have had at least decent success against rushers like over the past few weeks so seeing Javante Williams do what he did despite the fact that Denver uh, wound up losing the game I am somewhat encouraged now while I don't think that you know this should be a Williams gets all of the workload that's completely tossed Melvin Gordon out even though I know some folks would want to say that they want to see that happen but either way I do think that with what Williams has shown, his 2022 prospects and what we think about Javante Williams moving forward, I'm 100% in on. So, I mean, Jen, I mean, what are your expectations? I mean, you're out there. I mean, you're out there in Denver. I'm sure you probably hear uh, all those uh, folks talking about Javante Williams on a daily basis. But I do, I mean, what do you think about, like, the rookie and how they should wind up continuing to use him throughout the rest of the fantasy season? I'm excited. I mean, I was excited about him <clears throat> coming in. You know, he was... I believe a six round pick, uh, in fantasy wise, he was RB 26 and, uh, I'm excited, you know, that he's finally kind of gotten more opportunity, you know, sadly it came with, you know, an injury to Melvin Gordon. However, um, it is nice to see that he is at least the player that we all kind of thought he was going to be coming in. Um, I think next year, you know, depending on what happens with Gordon, I think Williams, I mean, I think we're going to see him go pretty high. I sat, I mean, I saw people on Twitter today, which, you know, of course is Twitter, um, discussing, you know, RB2 after Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I think that's a little bit hasty. I think that's a little bit crazy um, after one really good performance. But I mm -hmm. think that we are going to see his ADP rise. And I think that obviously depending on what happens with that backfield, 
Um, I think that he's, you know, he's going to be a player that people are going to be gunning for next year, as they should be, because he showed his talent and he showed what he has, you know, potential to do in this league. I think, you know, I, as you guys know, I don't play Dynasty, but if I did, I'd be going after him because I think he's going to be a solid running back in the future. No, and I 100% agree, and I'm hoping that to be the case. Now, I know everybody that's in the Dynasty community has been begging for Javante Williams to take over that backfield, cite whatever metric that you want. I know folks have been glomming on to the missed tackles forced because we've seen those runs from Javante almost on a weekly basis of him carrying two, three, four dudes for an extra, like, three, four, five yards. I mean, so... I get the fact that his physicality that he brings to the game on top of the fact that he can be used out of the backfield as a receiver, all great things. I mean, but Brandon, I mean, are you also buying into not just his short-term outlook for Javante? I mean, looking at their upcoming matchups, they definitely do have at least a number of matchups there as we get into the playoffs that while he might not be a league winner for some folks, because if you've been holding on to Javante, you're probably not in the playoff discussion unless you've been managing your roster fairly well and hit on a few guys later. But Looking at what Denver has coming up in front of them, they've got Detroit, they've got Cincinnati, they've got the Raiders, they've got the Chargers, who everybody likes to run on the Chargers. Like So throughout the rest of the season, the matchups look good. So do you think that Javante can continue what he's done so far uh, throughout the rest of the season? Yeah, you know, averaging 4.8 yards per carry, uh, he's only got four touchdowns this year, which you don't love, but uh, the passing game work, which you highlighted, he had nine targets last week, which is phenomenal. Uh, you know, he caught 50 balls in three years in college. Uh, Michael Carter was the pass catching back. I mean, he projected as someone who could catch the ball, but he's already got 33 receptions this year, had six in his first full-time starter opportunity against the Chiefs. This is very encouraging, and that's what makes me super bullish about his long-term uh, you know, potential and his long-term ability. Uh, as far as the rest of the season, it's going to be as long as Melvin Gordon's out. Like I, I'm with you. I don't think they're going to suddenly just fade Melvin Gordon. They paid him a ton of money. They got him this last year. They don't care if they wear him out. I think that it's going to continue to be a committee approach. Uh, but Williams is still scoring even with Gordon on the field. So it's it's something I still think he's usable. But he goes from RB fringe RB two ish kind of player with Gordon in the lineup to a bona fide RB1, it looks like. Uh, you know, it's not super easy to be really successful against a, a high-impact offensive team like the Chiefs. Uh, they fed him anyway, which is really encouraging. But Melvin Gordon's gone next year, so Javante Williams, uh, look look out for him as a first-round pick next year. I'm expecting that to be the case, and I, I'm excited because the talent was there when he was drafted. I'd exactly. like to interject something real quick, if you don't yeah. mind, Chris. Yeah, of course. Um because everyone cares about, you know, everyone's personal fantasy team. But you just <laughs> said that uh, nobody, the people probably have not made the playoffs with Javante Williams. And I <laughs> actually I have. Said, Chris, I you've angered Jed. Chris, Chris, <laughs> you've angered Jed. that with if you were capable of managing your roster and hit on some later round guys. I said that. That's what I said. Okay, because I would just like to say that I do have two teams that I am making the playoffs with Javante Williams <laughs> in my, in, as one of my running backs for the entire season. Okay, See? carry on. Okay. All right. Well, then, see, and that's why you're one of the professionals here on the show, like, talking about that type of stuff. And other folks might be struggling. So you need to give them your advice, Jen. You can't just keep it all to yourself now. So uh, last one that I want to talk about, though, really not, again, probably not a surprise to some, depending on if you're plugged into the team or not. But and this might be uh, this might be also due to the amount of opportunity that he's been given, given the a team situation. But Hunter Renfro. Now, over the last like, couple of weeks, looking at his his target share, I mean, back-to-back 100-yard-plus games, the targets have certainly been there because without Henry Ruggs, 
Darren Waller also being out, and really outside of Deshaun Jackson, Zay Jones. Uh, I mean, of course, people like Foster Moreau, but even really he didn't come up for a ton last week, even though he was one of the biggest plays on the slate from a DFS perspective. It's been Hunter Renfro. I mean, heck, beat reporters, at least for the past couple of seasons, if I remember correctly, when it comes to third down plays, and it's an obvious pass play for them, they call it third and Renfro. So I know that the opportunity has been there for him, and he's converted and been efficient on his targets. But now, is he one of those guys that if you have him on your roster, I mean, you're 100% starting locked in, wide receiver two, uh, like wide receiver two a type of player on a week to week basis and is he somebody that we should continue to rely on as we go into the fantasy playoffs I mean Jen let me kick it to you first if you've got him do you just look at him as a play that's just locked and loaded like you're just going to go ahead and start him each week even though Derek Carr has been up and down as a, as a quarterback but just given his usage I mean is he just somebody that you're starting each and every week I think at this point, yeah. I mean, it really obviously depends on who else you have on your team. But I think because of all the injuries and bye weeks and what we have going on, that I think if you have Renfro, yeah. I mean, looking at his numbers, he's wide receiver 10 right now in the last four weeks in uh, fantasy point, in, in half PPR points. And then he's wide receiver, I think, 14, 15 in, uh, in half PPR points per game. So, I mean, he's, you know, right in that, in that wide receiver one slash two categories. So I think if you have him, you have to start him. It's tough to count on that offense week in, week out, like in theory, in your mind, or like, am I really going to go with him? But at the end of the day, he's putting up the numbers, he's getting the volume. And I think with, with what else is out there, I think he's in that, you know, he's in your wide receiver, you know, three slash flex spot every week. If you have him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Brandon, if we're looking at it, even just in totality, like throughout the entire season, of course, we can look at the opportunity spike with the two players out, like with Henry Ruggs not being there anymore, Darren Waller being out, and I think he actually called himself day-to-day. He might be able to play this week uh, against the Chiefs. We'll see if that happens. But even still, starting off the season through the first like four weeks of the year, uh, yeah, th- four games of this of this season, averaging just over seven targets per game, when they get into the red zone, he is one of those guys they look at. If I'm remembering correctly, actually, this is going back to even uh, during the offseason. I remember reading a story about uh, Cooper Cup, the joint practices that the Rams were having. Cooper Cup actually molded some of the red zone uh, routes that they wound up using now with the Rams from the stuff that they were seeing Hunter Renfro doing. So it's just... It's not just the fact that he's just one of those slot receivers that can just get open, beat zone coverage. He's actually a really good route runner. His usage in the red zone makes him one of the more, I guess, potent or uh, yeah, potent receivers once they get into that range because he does one of those, you know, stop go routes. Got that funny footwork that even like Cooper Cup, like I just mentioned, is mimicking. So it's just overall, he's a really good receiver. But if you look at him, what this you know, short, balding white dude, you know, doesn't always really have like the profile of a guy that we would glom onto but with the opportunity i can't see myself getting away from if i have him on my roster where are you at with renfro you know in a standard league he's a wide receiver three in a ppr he's a wide receiver two uh you know he's ninth in the league in receptions so he's a demon in that regard like you said he's basically the cup the cooper cup of las vegas that's basically what you said uh is is what i'm taking from that but uh you know but he, he 
even when Darren Waller was playing, right? Like, he missed last week, so 10 targets to Hunter Renfro. You go, oh, obviously 10 targets. Darren Waller was out. But he's getting nine targets a lot this year. Like, that's his first double-digit game. Had a lot of nine, eight, seven-target games. I think that's going to continue. And like you said, the touchdowns. You usually see those, like, shifty slot receivers. They don't get the touchdowns. He's got them. He's got four this year. That's not bad. I think that the Raiders are going to continue to lean on him. So in a PPR, I think he's a fringe wide receiver two option and somebody I feel very confident having in my lineup in that scoring format. Standard, I'm a little more hesitant. No, and I think that makes sense because given the way that he's used, he doesn't really have like that deeper A dot. Now he has been used on some deep targets, but typically, right, for his for his role in that offense, playing the majority of his role in the slot, he is more he's he's the chain mover, right? Like when they have they do come into those third downs where they need to move the chains, or even once they get into those short yardage situations, like I mentioned in the red zone, he's the one that's going to be getting the ball, but we can't always rely on that from a yardage perspective. And this these past couple of weeks, which is why I put him in my surprise list because he has been able to put up those back-to-back 100-yard gains, that's where it becomes at least more enticing from, from that perspective for us to continue to roster him. So in a standard league, absolutely, I can understand why folks might have some hesitation. But looking at his upcoming matchups, now we've got Kansas City coming up, so we know that should, that's one of the better games. I mean, Carr has typically got up for for, uh, for that game. And actually, in the uh, this their past matchup back in Week 10, uh, Hunter Renfro was 7 for 46 and a touch in that particular game. Cleveland the week after that, then Denver in week 16. So while Cleveland might be a tougher matchup, that Denver matchup, as we just saw evidence of last night, it's entirely possible for him to have another big game. So yeah, I agree. It might be format dependent, but given the opportunity, I think Renfro should be one of those at least uh, mid to high end like wide receiver two for PPR format standard. It might be a little bit tougher to continue to jam him into your lineup. But either way, we're getting close to the end of the season. I mean, Underdog is probably one of those sites that a lot of folks might be turning to, whether it's for best ball or whether it's just to try and see like how your roster is like sh- uh, shaped up after th- after this offseason. So, Brandon, can you tell the folks about what's going on in Underdog and what they can expect moving forward? Absolutely. Listeners, let me tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their brand new Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player's stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players and win you some cold, hard cash. First-time depositors should head to 444.com slash underdog, claim your free 444 Pro subscription, and get $10 in bonus cash to play this weekend. All right, buy or sell segment. Uh, Chris, Jen, a few guys I want to talk about. Uh, some a little under the radar. Some that are probably rostered already, but I want to talk about as far as like where you have them uh, lineup wise. So uh, we saw Adam Thielen went out. It looks like he's going to miss at least a little bit of time. Chris, let's start with you. Uh, how much are you valuing KJ Osborne, who came in and caught four balls for forty-seven yards and a touchdown in relief of Thielen? No, I think he's going to be the de facto guy that they go to. I mean, if you remember earlier parts of this season, we were thinking about K.J. Osborne as the wide receiver three in that offense when Tyler Conklin was hurt uh, earlier in the year. So even with him in the lineup now with Adam Thielen removed with the high ankle sprain, they've got the Thursday night game, if I remember correctly as well. So it's not like we can really expect him this week. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with that. Like, K.J. Osborne was up there, I mean, just right behind Adam Thielen uh, and Justin Jefferson in terms of route run, uh, routes run in the earlier 
parts of the season, while they have kind of shifted back towards just more of a two wide supporting two wide receivers, and of course Conklin once they get into the red zone, while that has shifted back for them, I can still see now with Adam Thielen being removed from the equation, Osborne has shown enough of a connection with Kirk Cousins that he'd be the one that I want out of any of the other guys that are currently on that offense. Excellent, excellent. And uh, Jen, I wanted to talk to you about uh, Van Jefferson because I love Van Jefferson and I'm excited about the fact that he got eight targets even though everyone was healthy. I mean, obviously Robert Woods is out, but Odell Beckham's there, Cup's there, Higby's there, uh, and he still got eight targets, had six catches, 41 yards and a touchdown. Seems like he's an active part of that offense. Is he an automatic starter, at least in the fringe wide receiver two territory uh, moving forward? I don't know about automatic starter. It, it <clears throat> depends on really who else you have, but I do like him and I like, you know, listen, a deep threat guy is always good, especially at this point now where it's kind of a winner go home situation. You need all the points you can get. So I do like him. Uh, they don't have the best schedule. Um, they do have Arizona and Seattle who are both kind of tough against wide receivers. Uh, they do get Minnesota in week 16 and then kind of a neutral, a neutral Raven uh, game in week 17. But I like Van. I think that uh, obviously he was helped with Woods <clears throat> being out for the season. But like you said, it is encouraging that uh, with everybody healthy that's there uh, this past week, he was second to cup in targets. And, you know, that, you know, listen, those deep threat guys are always exciting because it's one of those things where they can put up a huge number for you when you really need it. So uh, I don't know if he's an automatic starter, but he's definitely in contention to make my lineup every week. I love it. I, it makes me feel old because I remember rostering and starting Sean Jefferson, his dad. In, in several fantasy lineups. We're at that point with so many players, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I remember that vividly, right? But uh, but I'm excited for him. I like Van Jefferson. I, I've been sprinkling him into lineups, and it's been a positive thing for me. Uh, Chris, let's go to Jakeem Grant. Uh, the Bears, they've been kind of a mess, their passing offense in general. We don't know what's happening with Andy Dalton right now. We know he's kind of nicked up. Might have Justin Fields back, but Jakeem Grant, five catches, 62 yards, a touchdown, seven targets last week. Uh, are you interested in him at all, or do you think this is very much an anomaly? No, I don't want anybody in the Chicago's <laughs> offense outside of Darnell Mooney. How many times are we going to get burned on trying to think about like out like outside of the the main guys? And at this point, it's the wide receiver one in Darnell Mooney and the running back one in David Montgomery. Outside of that, how many folks are still pining away for Cole Komet to happen? How many folks are still pining <laughs> away for uh, insert anybody else inside of that inside of that offense? Heck, on the Thanksgiving game, I, I know a lot of folks were looking at Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird. I mean, Jimmy Graham was like a dart throw for some folks. At least he wound up getting a touchdown. But it's just, I don't want anything to do with that offense as of right now since we don't even know what the quarterback situation is going to look like this week, what they're playing against the uh, playing against the Packers. The week after that, they have another divisional matchup against Minnesota. Of course, they get Seattle in week 16, but even then, are you really going to have that much confidence in that entire offense as a whole in order to want to play it? So, nah, I, I think I'd much rather try and take my shots elsewhere, given the state of that offense, given the the quarterback situation that they currently have, and I'll, I'll just look elsewhere. If he winds up, if I, like I wind up losing because I missed out on him, I think I'll be okay with that one. <laughs> I think that makes sense. I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, let's move over. I wanted to ask you, since you're uh, our Denver 
uh, resident, Jen. Uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, just stinking it up. Not doing anything the last few weeks. Uh, been just awful, uh, plaguing my lineups. Can I drop Cortland Sutton? Jen. Funny that you ask me that because yes, you may. I, I he is in my <laughs> he is in my droppable deadweight report that comes out tomorrow morning. Uh, so yes, he is droppable. Look, the guy, five straight outings with two or fewer receptions. He's got four point four half PPR points per contest in the last five you know five games. He's yeah, I mean he's behind Tim Patrick. Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, and Javante Williams in targets over the last five games. So, he, yeah, I mean, he's he's just not he's not a factor. I'm not really sure why, and it really doesn't matter for fantasy purposes. But uh, there's only a few games left, and there's just no point in keeping him anymore. Good, good. See, this is what I need. I, it's like a support group for me, Jen. I come on this podcast, and it, it, it enables me to drop <laughs> the dead weight off my roster that I need That's to do. That's what I'm here for, Brandon. <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, last one, Chris. Uh, Gardner Minshew came in, played pretty well. Uh, Dallas Goddard, though, became Travis Kelsey with Gardner Minshew under there. Two touchdowns was basically the fuel behind that offense. Uh, tell me, first off, if now we're supposed to get Jalen Hurts back, right? But if Gardner Minshew makes another appearance, uh, is Dallas Goddard is this who he is? And then second, should we be concerned about Devontae Smith, or is this too small of a sample size to mess with? Oh, absolutely. I think it's more of a too small of a sample size to work with. Now I know there were reports like before the game that they were saying Minshew had just started throwing to Dallas Goddard like early in the week, so he didn't get much work in. Uh, they get the, and of course, this is coming against the Jets, who from an adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, a perspective. So if you go and take a look at what we've got over on 444's website, like ranking uh, them, I mean, they're bottom five against wide receivers, bottom five, or like, I actually take that back, like bottom, uh, bottom 10, bottom 12 against tight ends. So like, we should have expected this type of performance, at least from Minshew, but of course it's Goddard that's the one, that's the beneficiary of it. Okay, fine. And if you were to replay this matchup like, you know, 50 to 100 times, I could see it flipping back and forth between him or Smith. So I'm not taking too much from this. Uh, but I think Dallas Goddard has been like one of the better tight ends in the league, especially after Zach Ertz left. And I don't think that's much of a surprise, right? I think almost immediately after Zach Ertz left, we saw Goddard's targets start to tick up. The, the production also start to tick up as well. It's just the touchdowns weren't there because this was more of a run first offense. And they hadn't really had the types of matchups that would be conducive to Goddard really having the type of game that he had until they just happened to play the Jets. So I think looking looking ahead at what at what Philly has, they've got two matchups against Washington, which we should at least look at that as being another positive matchup for any one of the pass catchers. And if it's Minshew under center or whether it's Hurts under center, I still think that there's there should be enough production overall from that offense that I would continue to uh, roster and play like Dallas Goddard regardless. It's just that I think in this matchup, the numbers wound up being or at least meeting our expectation because it was the Jets matchup. At least that's what I'm taking away from this one game sample. But they also have a few more matchups. So, yeah, Dallas Goddard for sure. Minshew and his performance. I think one game sample, he has been able to do that even when he was in Jacksonville, but I think Hertz would have been able to do the same, but that's mad. That might just be my bias, but I think either way, like once Hertz uh, is back under center, Goddard should be able to do the same thing. I like that. Just remember they played the Jets, folks. They played the Jets. <laughs> Always important. To know. All right. Uh, that's all I've got for buy or sell segment this week. Uh, looking ahead segment to close it out. Uh, 
we talked about Seattle going up against Houston. Houston is terrible. Seattle should lead that game. If Adrian Peterson stays on the roster, might get double-digit touches, might find the end zone again. Kind of worth looking at. Bonus points for Rashad Penny as well. Uh, you got to start him quick before he gets hurt, hurt again. So uh, those two interesting deep, deep league options that might be available on waivers if you need some running back help. Jen, what's your looking ahead segment? By looking at him, in the words of you, Brandon, our wonderful host, go get yourself <laughs> some Jason Sanders. Ah, so thank Miami, you. Yeah, so Miami has won five straight games, right? Sanders has put up double-digit fantasy points in three of his last four games, and after the bye, which is this week, they get the Jets, the Saints, and Tennessee. So he is on easy street. If you need a kicker for the remainder of the season, go get yourself some Jason Sanders. I love it. I love it. Chris, what's your looking ahead segment for this week? We were just talking about like how bad the Jets' secondary has been or just their defense overall. And, of course, we've been trying to target our offenses against the Jets, and they get the guy that pretty much won everybody their fantasy matchups on uh, on Thanksgiving. and uh, Actually, not Thanksgiving, but just this past weekend in, uh, in Taysom Hill. I mean, the dude threw four interceptions and is still a top-12 quarterback because he rushed for over 100 yards. So... If that's if he did that this past week, and I know of course like trying to correlate you know previous matchups to what we have it, but if he threw four interceptions, he was still a top ten quarterback this week. He gets the Jets this week. How can we not continue to roster him? Uh, at least have some sense of confidence in what his output is going to be this week. Now I know that Deontay Harris he was just suspended this week from the DUI uh, stemming from this past offseason, or it might have been earlier this year. Uh, but either way, they, that was somewhat expected for them. But I am uh, I, I do think even with a more condensed passing tree, I, Hill's rushing should be more than enough for him to be back in the top 12 discussion for this week. So yeah, Taysom Hill all the way for me. I didn't notice the Saints get the Jets. Taysom Hill might rush for 200 yards. That's going to be insane. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's hilarious that I, I know that the Cowboys like were going to be a tough matchup, but his roster ship numbers really didn't climb to the point where he cannot, uh, where he can't be considered as a streaming option for this week. So I mean, he is by far and away the easiest, uh, per, like easiest uh, streaming option for this week. So I'm glad that you know I at least have him to be able to write up. But yeah, I mean against the Jets, I mean everybody's going to be playing him. I love it. I love it. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jen. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.